Welcome to the Hunter Farmer Artisan Podcast. My name is Ryan Garrett. I will be your host. Today's episode's going to be a little bit different, so I might as well explain that right now. When I started approaching how I was going to put together the the episode on the October 27th meeting, I also ended up interviewing Gary Strasberg from the Conservation Coalition about what happened during that meeting and what really led up to it. And those two stories don't tell themselves separately. It's really mixed together. And as such, I have to bend my normal formatting rule when it comes to how I do my shows. Normally, I would have an interview for my regular episode and then for my bonus content, I will pull commentary and do editorializations or whatever else might be on my mind for the bonus content. Today, I kind of have to conduct that interview while putting in the audio from the commission meeting to put things in context because otherwise the story is just incomplete. That might mean that I run a little bit over on time. I'm still in the process of editing the show, but... I think it's the only way to do that particular meeting any justice. So stick around. I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Um, We're a popular um, entity this morning. It's good to see everyone here. A couple of announcements. The first is which one of the announcements is that we have way more people signed up than we're going to be able to hear this morning. That was Chair Barbara Baker speaking, and she was not kidding when it comes to there being a lot of hunters there that day. It was jam-packed to the point where, because of fire code restrictions, they had to put other people who attended the meeting in an overflow room. And among the people there that day was Gary Strasberg from the Conservation Coalition, and He and that group did play a large role as to why that meeting was so jam-packed. So let's talk to Gary, and we'll talk a little bit more about what happened during that meeting. Today, I'm quite excited for my guest. I have our buddy, Gary Strasberg from the (laughs) Conservation Coalition. Gary, nice to have you on. Hey, it's your old buddy, Gary. I'm glad to be here, Ryan. (laughs) And I had to introduce you that way because that's a really big part of the story of why I wanted you on the show. For better better or worse, whether you like it or not, you've kind of become the voice of the Conservation (laughs) Coalition because (laughs) of the attitude that you have affected. And I want to talk about the coalition today. I'd like to talk about how you came to adopting that voice. And how you got involved in this whole fight. So let's just start with, for the people who don't know who you are, who the heck is Gary Strasberg? <laughs> uh, I am a lifelong Washingtonian, uh, born and raised here in Puyallup, Washington, and uh, I'm 55 years old, so I'm an old fart. Um, but uh, I joined the, after high school, I joined the military, and then the military dropped me off uh, the U.S. Navy in 1991 up at Whidbey Island, where I reside now. Um, but I have been uh, probably since the age of, five, six, been was hunting with my dad, my, uh, uh, my uncles and a couple, you know, a couple family friends. And then when I got a little older, I was just on my own. But uh, and then after I got out of the Navy, I just kind of stayed up on Whidbey Island. That's where I'm at. Just a lifelong hunter, lifelong fisherman. 
uh, love the outdoors. Um, and I just don't want to see any of that go away. So I got involved very deep over the last three years. <laughs> yeah. And I think like for a lot of us, that involvement probably started right around when we were all surprised to see spring bear disappear. Yes, absolutely. When that little backdoor job kind of came out uh, was when I, you know, uh, there so many people you know, perked their head up like, what is going on? I was one of them. And I started making some phone calls and talking to some people. And that's kind of where this coalition started is just with a few people making phone calls. And next thing you know, <laughs> here we are. Here, here we are. Yeah, I mean, I think for uh, the the evolution of the co the coalition and your own um, speaking presence have evolved mm -hmm. in a very uh, neatly parallel fashion because I I remember some of your earlier speeches to the, oh, the commission. <laughs> And they were, they were not what I would call nice. And like, no. I'm not like, I am not a nice person. No, I'm... you're right. <laughs> a couple of them, I could almost say, not that I'm ashamed of them, but uh, I, I was very vocal and I voiced uh, a very loud opinion and I don't think it was received well. And I kind of realized after a while that uh, the old saying of, you know, you can, trap more flies with honey than vinegar so i kind of changed my direction a little bit and it's i think it's helped well and what i think is funny about that is because again your your speaking journey on that really has mirrored all of hunters who have gotten involved in this in this fight because i mm -hmm. remember those those early meetings right when spring bear happened and the level of vitriol the level of kind of like personal attacks towards commissioners was just much 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 higher and we yes. didn't really have the turnout either because there were so no. many people who just didn't realize what had even happened yet a lot of people were like oh there's i i didn't <coughs> even realize me. that spring bear was gone right and that's a stark contrast to what happened at this last commission meeting. So tell me a little yes. bit about what happened between October 26th and 28th at the Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting. So the, the 26th was there, I think, they, do they call those the big tent meetings where they have the committee 26th meetings and all that was the stuff? individual committee meetings. So you've got yeah. like the big tent, the wildlife committee meeting, uh, right. I think they two others that I don't pay there. as much attention to. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the 26th they did that and some things were said you know during that meeting and it just i'd have to go back through uh and and listen but i know there were a few things that came out of that as well but then on the 27th was when i finally i i made the decision to <clears throat> excuse me drive all the way down to olympia from whidbey island and speak in person and when i got to the parking lot I was very pleasantly surprised to see about another 25 people in the parking lot already, all hunters. Because what do hunters do? Hunters show up early. We're used to getting up early and doing stuff like that. So there was a whole pack of us there. Uh, all of us were either wearing an orange vest or an orange hat or some form of camo or, you know, Kuyu or Sitka or Cabela's or something, some kind of a, something that showed that that's what we did. When we piled into the building and we finally started sitting down, hunters filled the seats immediately and then i sat there in the front row 
and I watched this parade coming in and I was just like, yes, this is so awesome. This parade of people comes in. There were so many, they had to open up another room to allow that many more people to sit. Gary cut out a little bit at this point, so we didn't get his full description, but this was a great place to splice in just a quick sample of the kind of people who showed up. I'm just going to play some intros from some folks. My name is Ken Smith, and like many others here, I've grown increasingly confused and worried by the commissioner's decision to ban spring bear hunting and by the announcement that predator hunting may be banned altogether. All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Justin Boardman of Auburn, Washington. I've been on active duty for the past 18 years and have had the pleasure of being stationed in Washington for the past decade. I have also had the privilege to work side by side and run a nonprofit organization that takes veterans in active duty hunting and fishing. And as a person who's done multiple combat rotations and countless other deployments, I know personally what kind of burden the veteran community bears while on active duty. I would, I would like to thank the commissioners and Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife staff for letting me speak. So my name is Braxton Litz, and I'm 13 years old, and I currently live in Gig Harbor. And I'm in eighth grade, my hobbies are playing basketball, going camping, hiking, and fishing. I'm also a Boy Scout and just earned my first class in. And Scouts have given me the opportunity to go camping, hiking, and fishing, and be in the wilderness. Good morning. I'm Logan Miller. I had something long and kind of aggressive written out to say, but I, I just can't do it. So here's what I have to say. I spent the last week with my seven and 10 year olds, my great uncle and my dad. One of the mornings, my seven year old said, Dad, look at all the clouds, look at all the trees. He said, It doesn't matter that we're not getting seeing any deer or any animals. He just like, it's so perfect that we get to spend time together. My name is Ross Sharp, and I'm a lifelong resident. I live in Pierce County. I appreciate you letting me speak today. Why am I here, you ask? Because I was told I should be nervous. I asked myself, why should I be nervous when I have science on my side? I have gone back and listened to almost every meeting in the past three years, and I could not in my wildest dreams make up the things that I have heard. Hi, my name is Jason Phelps. I'm the founder and GM of Phelps Game Calls, a current employee of Meat Eater and host of Meat Eaters Cutting the Distance podcast. I was raised in P.L. Washington in Lewis County. And I've hunted my entire life with a long, long history of generations hunting as long as I can remember and as long as the stories uh, can go back. Good morning. My name is Hunter Litz, and I'd like to thank commissioners and the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife for allowing me to address you today. To begin, I would like to give you a little information about myself. I'm 15 years old and currently residing in Gig Harbor. I am an active member of Boy Scout Troop 1539 and currently enrolled in the NJROTC program at my high school. While today's meeting will undoubtedly cover numerous facts, I'd like to, I am here to share my experiences on what hunting means to me and how it shaped the way I go into the outdoors. Thank you for allowing me to speak today. My name is Drew, and I come to you to tell me my story and my position. I'm a first-generation hunter, and I'm a resident of Washington State. Drew, could you start with telling us your full name? Oh, yeah, Drew Cross. Sorry. Um, so I'm a first-generation hunter and a resident of Washington State, and I don't fit the typical hunter mold. I didn't grow up hunting, nor was I ever exposed to hunting until just two years ago, but I've always been attracted to the outdoors. Hunter after hunter showed up to support the lifestyle that they cherish, and it was a powerful thing. Let's get back to Gary's description of how that meeting opened. Uh, they just saw the sea of orange and camo 
we got a lot of handshaking by a lot of a lot of staff and, and the uh, the game wardens when we all started filing in. It was yeah. it was and you cut out there a little bit because I'm having a weird connection issue. Thank you, Starlink, for I don't know losing a bunch uh, of satellites happens, or Ryan. something. Um, but I I caught most of that and uh, I'll splice what I can together. But basically, the the turnout <laughs> was insane compared Absolutely. to what it normally is from from hunters to the point where it not only was the the main room that they normally hold the meeting in but they had to then filter people into an overflow room for in-person yes. testimony and that doesn't even count you know people like myself or was who were unable to attend in person but showed up online but it wasn't just yes. that it wasn't just the um the turnout the tone was incredibly different from two years ago. Like if you were to set them side by side. It sure was. <laughs> because people were very, um, very respectful. They made things very personal yep. to them. And I think that does have an effect of saying, these are the human beings whose rights you're taking away. Yeah. When you can put that human element in that and say, look, these are the people that you're you're doing this to. And we've had enough to where I can you, Ryan, there was at least the from, I would say, you know, anti to hunters and fishermen. Well, hunters, probably just outdoorsmen, uh, probably 10 or 15 to one in that room. There's a, there's almost 150 people. And I bet you 100 of them were hunters or more. Yeah, I've never seen it like that. Yeah. Um, and that is that is kind of what the coalition has been working towards. Uh, as yes. I understand it, their their primary goal, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to get people engaged, right? Yeah, <laughs> get <hey>. involved. <laughs> yeah. Areas where I got my a, coalition shirt on, a it, it, coalition exactly. get whole... involved shirt on, and yeah, that's ex that's exactly the the point. Because as I was saying, and kind of the the thrust of my show is that there's, you know, there's three things we're fighting against. It's yeah. Apathy, um, hopelessness, and whatever the third one that I came up with a long time ago that was pithy, but it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the point is, you have a lot of people who didn't care. Um, you have a lot of people who think that they can't make a difference. And you have just kind of a mess on your hands. So how... How did the coalition manage to, because I, I fully believe that they had a big impact on that turnout. How'd you guys do that? Well, I think your old buddy Gary videos might've helped a little bit to try to get that turnout. And there was also, I mean, we campaigned for it and we had so many people spreading the word, you know, and it's funny, you mentioned that the people that think their, vo their voice won't matter yeah, or they don't know. There's people that to this day look at me like I have three heads when I tell them that what what is going on. They don't believe it's happening. And well, it is. But I, th I think the coalition had a big impact because we campaigned for it. We had videos out. We had info out. We wanted people to get involved. We just kind of kept on pushing. You, you have to be involved. And I was very, very happy, very pleased to see the amount of people that got involved. And people that are speaking online has gone up yeah. it used to be only you know we were getting beat by the the antis uh sometimes you know they were 15 to 1 and now we are crushing how many people are speaking versus you know pro versus anti yeah 
And I do think that 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 is important. I don't necessarily. It's funny. I was having a discussion with Charles Whitwam from How.org about yeah. how neither one of us really feels that it should be a shouting contest for who wins when it comes to wildlife policy. Like it shouldn't just yes. because hunters show up in mass, but we do need to, because unfortunately, yes. if we don't, the only, the only people that anybody hears from is the anti side. And those are the people who are going to sit there and say, well, these are trophy hunting mama yeah. cub killing anti-wildlife <laughs> beer drinking like just on yeah, and on exactly and i think that when we show up our our biggest thing is that we need to be very precise when we say like hey we need you to follow the science well like what science do we need your wdfw staff science that you said that you would actually like have anything to do with that'd be good that'd be great <laughs> be super great <laughs> yeah <laughs> One of the standout events of that that weekend, which was a really impressive one to the point where I'm doing I'm actually doing an episode per day of that meeting to just break things down for people. I already did oh, cool. what happened for the big tent commission meeting or committee meeting. Right. If you haven't listened to that, definitely do so because it really breaks down kind of what informed my testimony, as well as just some of the things that commissioners have said that are really out of sync and why the conservation yeah. policy is so scary. Um, yeah, your testimony was actually bad badass. <laughs> I honestly, was I was good. a little more aggressive <laughs> than I intended to be. No, um, your, your testimony was spot on on that policy. And yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Couldn't have said um, it better, yeah. In regards to that policy, since not everybody knows, what would you say are the main concerns? Like, what is the draft conservation policy that the commission's doing, and what are the main concerns that hunters have with it? I think our main concern is it 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 alienates non-consumptive or it alienates consumptive users. Hmm. It it basically gives a voice to non-consumptive users that don't really have never. Their their position is that these people need some sort of a a voice to, as a stakeholder in managing wildlife in Washington, and not that I can't get behind it, but who they want to be in on it is not not kosher, and so there's no wording that really shows that they want to support consumptive use. It's right. all preservation. It's all well preservation wrapped up in a conservation package is what it is. And that was why we came out with our little petition to say that exact thing, that we, we we don't want that. We do not want it because it does not include consumptive users. Yeah. And I will be playing your very impressive testimony. In point of fact, let's go ahead and listen to Gary's testimony right now. Morning, uh, Director Susswin, uh, uh, Director uh, Windrope, and all the commissioners. Uh, it's your old buddy, Gary from the Conservation Coalition of Washington. I'm from Island County and uh, I bring forth a petition. Um, I'm pretty sure almost every single person sitting behind me that you see in either camo or hunter orange is signing this thing. Gary, uh, do you bring forth your last name? Strasburg, sorry. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, also, uh, these were online and in person. Um, I, 
I can't tell you how many hours people worked on this to get this done. This has only been done in three weeks, and I've got over 5,500 signatures in these envelopes. Well, I'm just trying, I pulled these out just to prove that these aren't just some pieces of paper shoved in, a, in an envelope. The ones you see here that are highlighted in yellow came from Howl, uh, Howl, Howl, uh, Howl for Wildlife, but uh, Howl does not pay people to sign these. Howl does not have any kind of monetary mon uh, uh, kickbacks for hunters, anybody. And all the uh, yellow marks you see on here are all verified Washington state residents. Yes, there's people from Pennsylvania and Texas and Illinois and other places, but uh, there's 3,100 from Howell, uh, over 2,000 are from Washington, and the rest are all wet signatures. So the petition for the Washington State Wildlife, uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission to immediately withdraw the proposed conservation policy. Washington State Wildlife are resources, as clearly stated in RCW 770412. The department and commission mandate, as well as many other Washington state laws and rules. The commission cannot declare them beneficiaries contrary to existing law simply by adopting policy. Further, the commission cannot remove management contrary to ex, uh, exiting statute simply by adopting a policy. Whereas the policy development process been, has been non-transparent and non-inclusive, Washington law finds wildlife or resources not beneficiaries. Whereas the department and commission are directed to preserve, protect, perpetuate, and manage fish and wildlife, whereas sportsmen and their organizations have made a continue have made and continue to make some of the state's greatest gains for wildlife, whereas the department has an existing conservation policy, imagine that, already in place, whereas their many terms in the draft document are vague with no relation to wildlife conservation and management, whereas the definition of conservation in the draft has no relation to the standard definitions or effective and proven wildlife conservation. Whereas the policy calls for authorities outside the jurisdiction of the Department of Fish and Wildlife, whereas conservation is a science-informed social process, so delineating a conservation policy that excludes wildlife stakeholders, like these people sitting behind me, and can only harm conservation, and finally, whereas there is no evidence that the policy development effort consisted of consulting with official entities such as the National Forest Service, the BLM, and most important, co-manager tribes that share wildlife conservation responsibilities, nor consulted any conservation partners or outdoor sporting entities. We, the undersigned, demand the Washington State Wild Fish and Wildlife Commission withdraw the proposed conservation policy and cease further efforts to adopt conservation policy unless a broadly engaged policy development effort exists. Okay, that, that totally was especially an impressive ending. But please, no applause and no boos and no no overreactions. I'm seeing lots of nodding heads as we all are, but let's keep it to that, thanks. You definitely started running low on time towards the I end. Did. <laughs> so rather than cut it off, you went into tobacco auctioneer mode, which was- <laughs> Ain't there anything do 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 do? Yeah, it was, I did. Uh, and I had timed myself reading it and it took just under two minutes. So I was like, okay, I've got a minute to screw around and, and tell them, you know, about how the signatures worked, how they worked from Howell, because, you know, as we know, Howell pays us, you know. Yeah, so. according to <laughs> according to the anti-hunting groups, Howell, yeah. Howell pays and us for activity, which they absolutely also, do not. <laughs> exactly. And also, the, you know, the, the extremist groups that paid us to be at the meeting, and they're the ones that are, uh, we're, we're getting off topic. But yeah, so when I... When I, I I knew I had a minute to dis, dis, or discuss what it was and the signature process, and then when I started reading it, I kind of 
looked down at the guy next to me. He had his cell phone sitting there and the time was up. I was like, oh crap, I don't have enough time. Pretty soon I started reading. And then I heard uh, Tammy's, the the gal, the the clerk, I heard her, <laughs> heard her alarm go off. I just started reading faster and faster. And just like chugging a beer, when you're done, down it went. I just slammed it on the table, not on purpose. And everybody behind me just erupted. <laughs> It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was it was pretty great. Uh, um, you know, it was it was funny to have Barbara Baker kind of hit the gavel and calm everybody down, yeah. but then acknowledge that it was impressive. Like yeah. we don't want to yep. react to that, but also it it was pretty good showmanship. Um, <laughs> so what's in the petition that is is still active for people to sign? Um, it's basically in opposition to this draft conservation policy, but what specifically was, was in it that made it what it is? What is specifically in it is it's, it's a bunch of whereas clauses. I mean, I read it on, on there and people can listen to this later. Um, it just basically outlines the, the faults of the, of the, uh, the draft policy, how they did not confer with user groups you know, how it was non-transparent, how there's just so much, I cited the RCW, you know, the, the mandate that they're breaking. And, you know, but the last, the last sentence, when I say the undersigned demand, but then I, it goes into, we either withdraw the position, proposed conservation policy and cease further efforts to adopt the conservation policy, unless there's a broadly engaged policy development effort. We want that effort. If they're going to stick it to us, we want the chance to make our voices heard to change that thing. And I think that's a really good angle. I mean, my angle was throw it in the trash because what you've oh, done is not acceptable. Obviously, that that is our main goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I agree that it we need to have that door open to be able to get more of an engaged process when it comes to policy creation. In other words, if we're not if we're not a pol- part of the policy creation, the only thing we get to do is support or oppose whatever they decide to put together with yeah, most likely the anti-hunting group. And that's why we, that and that's why we were kind of lobbying I guess you would say that we want if you're go- if you're going to do this then you got to give us a chance to, and we just can't have some random, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have good ideas, but yet we need to have a voice that is going to be for all consumptive users. I mean, that that's our main thing is we, we utilize what we take and the antis don't just a little cut their nose off to spite their face, just to not have us hunt. We yeah. can't have that. Yeah, there's kind of like a narrow, there's a narrow focus there. And there's mm-hmm. there's definitely much more, much less of a stake. I mean, we don't have the same yeah. sort of, you know, if if a hunt gets taken away from you or me, that's food out of our freezer. That's um absolutely less time spent <clears throat> with our 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 people. The, you know, there's an entire yes. culture around hunting where this is like how we connect with the people we love. And that mm-hmm. gets taken away too. There's so much that gets taken away. Whereas somebody who is, uh, you know, in the anti-hunting camp, there's an emotional impact to the fact that I kill a bear. Yes. I'm sorry, but the emotional impact that of me 
harvesting a bear is not the same as the emotional impact of you taking my ability to even go out there and try and my ability to feed my family as well yes. as the food. So there, I have yes. an emotional impact too. Why, why yeah, I mean, that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're all emotionally charged. I mean, look at, look at the emotion we gave during testimony. You did too. Yep. We are emotional about it. So, I mean, yes, we can say that the antis are being emotional and the, the commissioners that are kind of playing that game with the emotions we can, but dang it, we're emotional too. And not saying our emotions are better, but yet there is emotion in it, but the emotion can't drive the conservation away from science. Yeah. <laughs> a novel, a novel concept. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. Are you a bear hunter? Or... Yes. I now I've, I, I, I say that I've always had a bear and a cougar tag. Okay. And it was, be <clears throat> excuse me, it was because of opportunity. You know, right. if you're out deer and elk hunting, that's what we all I normally did was deer and elk hunt. In the event there was a bear or, or a cougar, I had a chance to take one legally during a legal season. Up until I guess it would have been just before spring bear, about 2017, 2018, I started actively bear hunting. Okay. And I have yet I have yet to get one, but I have actively Seriously? bear hunted. Yeah. All right. Yep. I have not harvested a bear. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just for the record, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you haven't gotten one. Yeah, exactly. It's very clear that that bear and predator hunting are under attack, and potentially there's some threats yeah. to elk hunting as well, which is helpful to the cause of getting people engaged because yep. people like their elk. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, what do you say to the people who go, well, I just hunt ducks? Uh, yeah i've I've heard that i've heard that before i i just i'm I've, i hunt pheasants why do i care i i fish for steelhead i don't hunt why do i care because you're next that's why you care you're next and if it's not this state the next hunt it's the next state over or it's the next state behind that the, uh, as charles uh whitwam from howell puts it to me when him and i discuss this stuff is the tentacles spread wide and yeah. they do not stop no. <laughs> also, my tags that I purchase for bear hunting or cougar hunting or just small game, whatever, also contribute to the conservation dollars that you as a hunter can use to defend. The oh, whole, absolutely. Hey, yeah. Look at what we do. So if we slowly defund all of hunting by removing, you know, several different rungs of it, then the other types of hunt also become less defensible yeah then we all lose yeah. uh, we, it, it, it's a it's a it's a lose-lose for everybody and that's i say the same thing to people that i'm not spending any money and i'm not buying any more tags i'm not doing this i'm boycotting it's like well then just move to another state because if you're boycotting and you're not buying tags and you're not hunting you're just hurting nobody but yourself well and everybody else yeah everybody everybody who still wants to so yeah everybody think, still wants to i think there's a certain stand and fight mentality that that makes sense and it's nice to see that at least with this most recent meeting we've certainly gotten the commission's attention i noticed a few a few yeah. like notable things one of them was on the 27th listening to melanie rowland backpedal <laughs> her very oh, infamous boy. hunter should be nervous statement 
I believe I'm the one that's been quoted to say that hunters should be nervous or hunters should be worried, what, whatever the word is that that is, is quoted in different things. I did say it and I do believe it, but not that hunters should be worried about hunting being eliminated. Hunters should be worried just like we all should be worried about global warming, fire and drought in particular, where I live in Twist. We have evacuated so many times because of fires. And this year, what we're hearing is we are likely to have a pretty serious drought next summer because of the El Nino effect and the fact that we're not gonna get a whole lot of snow and we depend on snow in the spring and then the summer for agriculture, for residents, for wildlife. And so we could end up with fires and of course it increases the likelihood of fires as well if there's drought. So we have fires and drought to deal with there. I think you know that the Department of Fish and Wildlife has just proposed closing wildlife areas quite a bit of it in the Metau from December 15th to April 15th because it's deer winter range and it's been hammered so much by fires that they are gonna close them to recreationists because the deer don't go there to eat when there's people out there. So yeah, you should be worried. You should be very worried that there aren't gonna be any animals to hunt. Not that we're gonna stop you from hunting, but yeah, that's what I meant. We should all be damn nervous about what's coming for our weather. And my final point is, I don't know where anybody has ever heard any commissioner imply that we are going to eliminate hunting or that we are going to eliminate all predator hunting. That's never been said by any of us as far as I know, and it is not our intention. It seems to be the message that you guys are getting okay. But I don't know how many times I have to say it, not where we're going. Thanks for coming today. For a quick refresher, here's the original quote from Melanie Rowland. I understand that the hunters and fishers could be getting nervous, and I think they should be getting nervous because they have been pretty much in complete control for a very long time in terms of the focus and the priorities of the Department of Fish and Wildlife. In my view, this conservation policy is changing that significantly. It's really important to, to play both her original one next to yeah. her new one where she's yes. pivoting. Um, oh, because horrible. now she's saying like, you should be nervous that you shouldn't have any game to hunt, which is not what she said in the beginning. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the, the whole, we everybody heard it. And the, the, the audible, are you kidding me? You know, coming from the people behind me, uh, they weren't saying, are you kidding me? They were saying other words. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, and everybody sat there and, and listened to that. We all know the quote of hunters and anglers or fishers should be nervous as stakeholders. We all remember it. And when she backpedaled it and went into the, climate change stuff and all the stuff about, you know, uh, conservation. She spun conservation around, which is so weird to me because hunting is part of conservation. 
So why, why are we a hurdle? Use us. Use us. <laughs> and, and, I, and I say that not that hunting is conservation because all we want to do is kill animals. Well, hunters want to be involved out of the field as well. You know, we, we want to make sure that things go well. I mean, we but want to support. Habitat. Absolutely. You know, so, but yeah, I, that was a, that was a pivotal moment when she started talking and I looked at my stepson, he was sitting next to me. And I was like, where is she going with this? And he's like, dude, she is really doing a tap dance. I'm like, yes, she is. And to listen to it was, uh, it, it was laughable. It's, it really it's was. interesting. Cause a lot of people want to, want to jump on her and damn her for, for doing the pivot. And, and I, I totally support that just for the record. Yeah. Because you, you deserve to get hammered a little bit for not having the realization that you've been recorded and we can go back and we can listen to you again. <laughs> yeah. But that said, I think it's also really illustrative that the presence of hunters did create pressure because otherwise mm -hmm. there is no reason that a commissioner ha as aggressively anti-hunting in her her rhetoric as Melanie Rowland mm -hmm. would feel the need to shift the narrative of what she said in the past. And I would like to take her on that pivot and I would like to continue yeah. her pivot all the rest of the 180 degrees around to where she realized <laughs> that she's sitting on a board that is there for fish and wildlife management and to mm -hmm you know, not only preserve, protect, and perpetuate, but to maximize opportunity because there are two halves of the mandate that she should be enforcing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know there's one other quote, and it came from, I'll give you a hint, it came from Barbara Baker. It was during the wolf conversation, if I recall correctly. We each have different questions, and we're interpreting what we're hearing to either support ourselves or maybe not support um, my neighbors. And so one of the things that in terms of my growth on this commission is to try to be real clear on what question I'm being asked to answer or have an opinion on. To bring it home to the orange hats in the, um, in the audience, um, we knew, we were told that we had enough bears to have a bear hunt in the spring. That was not my question, but it was the question of other people here. That's just the best example we have. And, and I look forward to the day that we can get through a one hour presentation without bringing up spring bear hunt. But the point is that that's where we went wrong in my opinion. And so it is up to us, not them, to be real clear on our question. I was not in attendance on the 28th. Uh, I wanted to be, but I had oh, some right. other you, things. Yeah, you I had to, I had to dip out on the 28th. I was supposed to speak live on the 28th, but I had some other things that uh, happened. I got a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. So I had some other things I had to attend to and I couldn't make it. But I do know about the quote that they, lack of a better term, screwed the pooch on Spring Bear, where yeah. they knew the department told them, and they knew as a commission, they knew that they had enough bears to have a spring hunt and still voted against it. I've been at odds 
you and I have even talked about it and you and I have mm -hmm. not disagreed or we have not agreed <laughs> completely on this subject, which is great. I like that. I don't think it is a, a huge bombshell. I'm not saying it's a nothing burger, but that comment from Barbara Baker shows that the question that they were asking was not whether or not they could support the the population of the hunt. I wish Reagan had said that. And if Reagan <laughs> yeah. had said that, who's been like very much, we don't know the population. We don't have enough science. We don't have enough science. Had, had Reagan said that, that would be a bombshell. Mm -hmm. But with Barbara Baker saying that, I think it's just an admission that they were looking for different social science. Absolutely, they were. And they're looking for science in regards to whether or not it was actually helping with timber dam damage, ungulate recruitment, and various other um, management goals for that hunt. And they said that they didn't have mm -hmm. that science, which, to be fair, is part of the original piece of the spring bear hunt and why it was enacted in the first place back in like exactly. the 70s. Yeah. Though I think you could definitely make a case that the Blue Mountains would be a great place to have a limited draw spring bear hunt. You know, out on the coast as well. There's really? there's a lot of oh, like Long Beach. You think of Long Beach, you don't think bears. There are so many bears down there in the Long Beach area and up up a little bit further north towards uh, ocean shores, the the hills to the east. There is a lot of bears down there. And there's no reason they can't have a uh, a spring season down there. A lot of parts of the state. You know, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, uh, but you know when. When I remember when Stephanie, uh, is it Simic? Simic, uh, yeah, the original, the carnivore biologist. Yeah, the original carnivore biologist. Um, when she was giving her presentation, I remember watching that presentation via Zoom and going, man, she nailed it. That was a wonderful presentation. And one of the very first things Lorna Smith asked her was about the social aspect. Is this a social hunt? You know, is, is there more social pressure to keep this hunt going, basically, than a need to manage bears? And she didn't, she couldn't say yes or no. She couldn't say no, but she couldn't say yes either. Yeah, and Lorna, she hadn't conducted that science. Exactly. Because that's not because her they, job. No. That's not her forte. That's not her, you know. Yeah. And Lorna ran with that. And a couple of the other ones did too, you know, and it, that was one of the, I, I remember the look on poor Stephanie's face. Like, oh, she, she was not prepared for that. And yeah, it's, it, it was, it was different. Yeah, and that definitely shows some of the, um, I'm not going to say antagonistic, but uh, a lot of people really like to dog on the WDFW for all of the policies that the WDFW has to enforce when mm -hmm. a great deal of those policies really come from the Fish and Wildlife Commission and they're telling the WDFW what to do. and. Right. Yeah, I just if if you come away with nothing else on this podcast and you want to get involved <laughs> on this, WDFW staff for the most part is very supportive of hunting because they're also very supportive of science-based management. Absolutely. The commission If there's anything like the staff that I witnessed at that meeting on the 27th after the meeting uh, when we went on break, um when they went on lunch break, it was a four four hours. We sat there for four hours through testimony, through in-person and phone. And after that, I was approached by, I bet you, at least 20, 25 people and staff. I mean, some of the hunters and stuff, but four commissioners and uh, staff approached me and we talked a little bit. And I think for the staff to come up 
and say thank you thank you this is awesome i mean why they came to me i just maybe because i'm six foot five and just a big dude standing there in an orange vest you stand out <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i stood out <laughs> a little bit but a lot of people came to me and they just all they it was staff and game wardens and it was pretty cool to watch them kind of just take all the energy in the room and run with it it was really cool yeah and that is that is a good that is a good reason why that in-person presence is so important and I'll also say that's probably why that in-person presence needs to continue. Now we're not going to have an in-person meeting for a while now. Yeah, exactly. Well, so next year. now that we have people's attention, what do you think is the next step as far as what needs, what needs doing? What needs doing? Well, what, what he's doing is, I mean, hopefully there'll be, I mean, there's, I know there's lawsuits and stuff in the work. Uh, in the works, but what can the just the normal dude, everyday guy that just wants to try to help save fishing and hunting? And you know, we always like, well, get involved, get involved. And getting involved does mean more than just speaking at Fish and Wildlife Commission meetings. You need to look up your legislators. I mean, you can go, just, all you got to do is Google, find my legislator in Washington, and you can and find out what district you're in, whether you write them emails or handwritten letters. I just wrote three or four myself recently, and don't stop, just don't stop you've got to the squeaky wheel gets the grease but you've got to be respectful if you're a jerk they're just gonna they're gonna circular file it and you've got to really watch what you do and i get a lot of uh i've gotten some pushback uh, recently a few people that kind of like they just can't believe they think we're being too soft i, I don't believe we are we we've come at them with Art a voice in the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah we and and so we did we we saw what happens when you go hard in the paint and make the comments and have the nasty attitude and curl your lip and all that stuff you don't get much done and so not that we're you know you know just going to sit back on our laurels and and not be as aggressive we are going to be aggressive but we're going at it at a different with a different tone and i want people to do the same thing if you do write the commission be respectful just like I think I said it in one of my things, just like Dalton, be nice. <laughs> be nice until you don't have to be nice. But until you, Dalton from Roadhouse, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, anyway, so uh, that's what we want. Just be as respectful as you can. Get your point across. Don't say the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. We've been trying to do that too. We've been trying to tell people, as you remember, we've had, you and I've had those discussions trying to tell people to not beat the same dead horse over and over. Yeah, it's hard. verbiage needs to get adjusted and you may need to write a couple of different speeches when you show up Absolutely. too, because, um, you know, somebody might take your, your point. And I would also yeah. say as you're listening, if you, if you do speak, one tip I would say is that if you hear like a certain term, that's a charged term, get used more than, once or twice and that term is in your speech redline it take it out yep. use something else i had to I do that 100%. on my speech because i was going to use the term gaslight when talking about the the commission saying well we don't know where the distrust comes from yeah but either. one <laughs> other person used that in their speech and it's that's a strong enough word that i was like nope don't want to use that because I don't want to sound yes. like there's a bunch of people who coordinated and these are the key phrases that we're using. No, this is a lot of voices coming together 
in order to support a common cause. And that yeah. to me is what the coalition's all about. And and that's just it. And we don't and so now now I'm starting to pay attention more to when you listen to anti-hunters and their paid talking heads, the the attorneys and stuff for these groups, you'll notice the same things being said over and over and over. So we're we're beating them at their own game and they don't like it. So that's another thing. You, you know, we're we're being taken out of context. They're they're still trying to paint us as these you know, dirty, nasty trophy hunters. And when we show up to a meeting respectful and, you know, not making really, really dispelling that myth, they don't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, I think the, the stronger of a kind but forceful presence that we can present, the, the mm -hmm. harder it is to pay it paint us as these inhuman monsters and and that has been i think the success story of what the coalition's doing and certainly yeah, what I, you've been doing i mean you really took that to heart because i did i i, I can't believe how much you've changed your <laughs> go back to my first speeches they're bad <laughs> your your social media presence yeah. as a whole and your presence on the floor when you're talking and i just wanted to say thank you for that if somebody wants to get into yeah involved with the uh, coalition or anything else that you would like to plug how do they do that you know just you can get a hold of me just uh, i'm on instagram and facebook just my name gary strasberg or via the coalition instagram or facebook page um every so often though we get uh as you know it probably happened i don't know if it's happened to you yet you get the old shadow block or whatever and sometimes if we don't get back to you right away there's an off chance because we can't so um, we are still trying to develop a website um, that's still in the works uh, by next. We're hoping by maybe spring, summer of next year, we're going to have a lot more, a lot more avenues for people to get a hold of us. That way we can have our own website somewhere where there's information all in one spot. Like right now we have Google Docs and stuff and we can send people stuff. We can send PDF files uh, via email, but we want to have something more centralized. And we are working on that, as you know. Oops, sorry, I hit my computer. There are so many, we have so many people working behind the scenes. It's amazing what these people do. It, it's it's pretty impressive. It 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 has been just even what little I've been able to see. Um I was gonna ask one other thing, just because uh you jarred my memory when you talked about Google Docs and PDFs that you can send people. That petition that we're you're trying to get people to sign and that my signature is on. Where can they go to sign that if they're just hearing about it now to say they don't want to see the draft conservation policy go through in its current state? Um, if you want to be able to sign like right this very second, it's still up on Howl. Okay. It is still a, a, an active petition on Howl.org. Uh, so, um, so you can sign there. Excellent. That is a good place to go. And so if you're listening to this now, go ahead and do that. <laughs> Gary, It has it's always a pleasure to talk to you. One of these days, you and I may have to go on a bear hunt and see if we can break your Absolutely. Reasons. We'll have to definitely do that. You betcha.